Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. Invest in yourself, right? And as you've mentioned, Jerry, it's really about self-awareness. Whether it's taking uh, an EQ evaluation, whether it's doing DISC or Myers-Briggs or StrengthsFinder or whatever, is, is don't just take them. You, you want to take them and do something with it. And what we found is the best way to have that happen is one is to have a plan and either have a coach, whether it's internal or an external coach to work with you. And then second is to get what we call a capability partner, not an accountability partner, is the partner with someone that's going to do the same type of thing. So you're working together and you're holding each other accountable for that. Hey, Rudder Nation, welcome to another episode of Beyond the Rut, the podcast that shares encouraging stories and practical tools to help pull you out of your rut into a life worth living so that you can thrive in your faith, your family, and your career or business. Now, on this episode, we're going to be joined by Dr. Kevin Gazzara. Now, Kevin is a professor, an author, and a leadership consultant who helps companies and individuals analyze their task quotient. What is that? Well, maybe you got some job tasks that you really excel at and some other ones that are not your favorite thing to do. Well, there's a whole way you can actually do the things that you love doing that fit your strengths and your talents and give up the things to other team members that are their strengths and talents as well. It's a very neat process. So if you find yourself individually stuck in a rut with your daily routine at work or as a company, you know that people are in some spots that aren't quite their seat on the bus that they really will excel in, then you want to listen to this episode because we're going to take a look at tasks in a whole new way. So sit back and relax, bust out that notebook, grab a pen. Here we go. All right. I'm here with Dr. Gazzara. How are you doing? Fantastic, Jerry. Thanks so much for inviting me on your podcast today. Awesome. And you're calling in from Arizona. Is that correct? Absolutely. Phoenix, Arizona. Nice. I was a little bit closer to your state just last week. Um, I went camping in Big Bend National Park. Uh, I mean, that other state, New Mexico, is in the middle, but, you know, <laughs> I was closer. That's the point I'm making. <laughs> uh, and in, in the kind of terrain that is similar to what Arizona is known for uh, as well. Um, but that's not why we got you on here. Uh, we got you on here because you've got uh, roughly 25 years or more leadership experience. And uh, you've worked with companies like Intel, I think University of Phoenix, um, and you've got this new um, assessment tool that helps people identify tasks and have this sense of task quotient. We'll get to that later. Uh, but tell us about your, your early years of leadership, uh, the lessons you learned around tasks and task management and, and uh, that aha moment that you had uh, over the years. That's uh, a lot, well, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> Um, uh, born and raised in Philly, in Philadelphia area. I went to school there, did my undergrad at Drexel University, a dual degree in engineering and business, then did my MBA, and then uh, eventually went off and did all my doctoral work in organizational uh, leadership, right? So I'm a doctor of management. Uh, and I've been both in the kind of industrial world as well as the academic world. Um, but I started out, you know, with the technical side, you know, as a as a project manager and a product manager and eventually a, a general manager. And I had this fantastic opportunity in the 80s to go to work for Intel. 
Uh, and Intel was, I would say, is very much a learning organization, right? So they really put a lot of emphasis, you know, as a senior manager, you had to yeah, actually had to train 40 hours uh, uh, a year uh, so that it, we, you could share your knowledge with with other people. Um, and I was I did the technical stuff for for uh, about seven years with them, seven or eight years. And then the last 10 years I spent, uh, I managed Intel University. And then the last six years I managed Intel's management leadership uh, development programs for the world. And we used to do uh, 2,500 managers a year in 10 different uh, countries. Uh, fortunately, I had a nice big staff. I didn't have to do all of those. Uh, and when I retired from Intel, and my personal goal was to retire at 50. Unfortunately, I was able to do that. Uh, and then my goal was to, to um, go help smaller organizations uh, that didn't have a $10 million budget you know, to develop their management and leadership development. So that's uh, what we, we you know, myself and two colleagues in 2007 left the, the corporate world and we started Magna Leadership Solutions. And that's what we've been doing the last 15 years. And it's been fantastic to work with other companies to be able to give them uh, high, high value, low cost leadership training uh, to help them uh, grow. I love two things stand out to me from what you just shared with us. Uh, the one is like a lot of people tend to think that retirement is uh, I never have to work another day in my life done. Uh, whereas your take on it is I get to do whatever kind of work I want to do. And my passion is this helping people do leadership development where they get high impact from the dollar they spend and they don't have to spend a lot of those dollars. And, you know, for someone else, it could be something completely different. Like I want to help save sea turtles or uh, I want to help children learn to read who live in the inner city and don't get the kind of resources that are needed. So yeah, that was the first thing that stood out to me that retirement doesn't mean you don't ever have to work again. It, it means that you're just freed up to do the things you want to do because you've already built up the resources to do it. So that was the first thing. The second one is that, um, you know, there are those folks who get into like organizational leadership, organizational psychology, because that's what they've always wanted to do. They wanted to work in HR. Uh, but you've come into it from a technical side that now said, I want to help leaders grow and be better. Um, and what was that aha moment when you're like, that's what I want to do. I want to help leaders become better leaders. Well, I can tell you the date and the time. Wow. So uh, so it happened in on the 29th of July, uh, 1994. Oh, wow. Uh, Did it involve falling off a toilet and having a vision or is <laughs> back to the future? Uh, it, it wasn't quite that graphic, oh, okay. Jerry. The, uh, so Intel had a program called Managing Through People. And, and uh, once you got uh, a staff, uh, you were expected to go through this as a five day, uh, actually six day program. Mm -hmm. um, and, and this is, and actually ultimately this was the program I ended up managing and, and redesigning uh, for Intel. Uh, and I was selected, you know, I um, moved from, um, I started in Princeton, New Jersey. Uh, Intel ultimately um, shut down the division just because it was growing too fast. They couldn't get enough of wow. the engineers to move from the West coast to the East coast. So the GM came in, the VP came in one day and said, Hey, I got good news and bad news for you. The good news is we're going to offer you all jobs. The bad news is it's not going to be here in Princeton. So, uh, so <laughs> they offered us an opportunity to move to Arizona. And when we moved to Arizona, I got a bigger staff and uh, my boss came in one day and said, Hey, 
uh, end, you know, end of the month, you're going off to this managing through people stuff. It's like, okay. Uh, so when I was there, there was a, a brilliant consultant guy by the name of Bill Daniels, who had um, a uh, company called American Training and Consulting. Uh, and Bill did this, uh, what was called the chain gang simulation. And it was all about running a simulation so people could understand the importance of gaining clear expectations, having great communications, and being able to produce product, whether it was on the manufacturing line or whether it was developing uh, programs or whether it was doing project management uh, in a way that was just outrageously fun. It was in incredibly intense. I learned so much and it stuck with me. And at that point in time, I said, man, I want to, I, I want to be able to, my next phase of life, you know, Kevin 2.0, I wanted to be Bill. Um, and from that point forward, you know, for the next, uh, is that 94 to seven? So, um, you know, the next 13 years, that's, that was my focus. And uh, ultimately, Intel has one interesting thing, Jerry, is, is they every seven years, they give you a sabbatical and you, and you get to take two months off. You leave your laptops, your cell phones, everything with the company and you, you truly get the time off. Someone else steps into your position. And the intention is when you come back, you come back refreshed. And when I came back after my first sabbatical, after being in the technical world, being a product manager and, and a GM, uh, that I had done a lot of training at for Intel University and the guy that ran Intel U for the world said, Hey, we need somebody to run this. I've seen you teach. Uh, seems like that's a passion of yours. Would you like to, would you consider, uh, we, we have a need for someone to manage uh, Arizona, uh, for the site. Right. And I thought, well, sure. How hard can that be? That would be something <laughs> interesting. Let's go do something diff different. What a lot of my technical buddies say is move to the dark side of, of HR and doing <laughs> that soft skill stuff. Um, and I think I think the advantage to for me was is you know I came from you know an engineering background. I really like the techie stuff. You know, managing software and hardware development teams. I like I like that stuff. So so we work a lot with technical organizations. And because I've been there, done that, which is, I think, the biggest difference with what I find with a lot of trainers or people doing training and development and leadership, that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. is they have awesome backgrounds. They haven't, from a technical perspective, they haven't been kind of in the trenches, you know, you know doing the bits and bytes. Oh, yeah. and, and being able to do that and do that with a room full of, of engineers and gives you this incredible instant credibility um, and not only credibility, it's, it's just something I love, right? So my passion comes out as opposed to, no, I'm going to teach you leadership stuff, all that techie stuff you handle. No, I, I want to show you how that integrates. Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge advantage. I mean, I'm from the training side where I don't have the technical side. I, I've worked in training in healthcare for many years. Uh, never get to tell a nurse how to do nursing because I I don't know how to do it. Uh, so, yeah, you do rely on the SMEs. But when you do have that nursing background or you have that engineering background, um, you, know, you have that. I understand the work you do because I was doing that work until X number of years ago. Um, like I, I speak the language. I know the culture. I know what's expected of you. And I, I love that. Um, now, I'm, I'm familiar with the phrase like intelligence quotient, you know, like how quickly you can learn new things. Uh, you hear EQ or emotion quotient, which is the ability to like 
assess and know your own emotions as well as read the emotions in the room in a sense. Uh, and, and those are very important because your ability to learn new things helps keep you current in your field or your job. Uh, being able to read emotions and manage them and even express them appropriately is what kind of helps keep a lot of people in their jobs because they say, what, 86% of the people who lose their job, it's because of their inability to connect with other people. But then there's this other thing where people get burned out. You know, they're just overworked, overtasked. And you shared something with me about task quotient and task quotient assessment. So I think before we dive into that even, so we're still just teasing you listening in right now. Um, but I guess talk a little bit more about like how you've seen people get, you know, inundated with tasks or maybe they're getting the wrong tasks. Like how important are tasks when it comes to keeping somebody in the job uh, and keeping them successful? Well, that's an incredible segue uh, from my last um, discussion about kind of how I got here was when I met Bill Daniels, the guy from American Training and Consulting, Bill had uh, done his research around task types, right? And what he found was there were really three types of tasks that you do. You do uh, routine tasks, which are highly predictable, uh, and you have to kind of do them in the moment. So kind of what he calls low delay tolerance. That's a routine task. You have the troubleshooting task, which um, is you kind of have to do in the moment, right? Firefighting kind of stuff. Uh, and it shows up unexpectedly. Uh, and then you have uh, project tasks and project tasks are highly predictable. Um, uh, and you have a, a longer delay to do them. It's you know, kind of like getting your taxes done. It's, it's, a, it's a project or it's developing, uh, it's developing a new product. And uh, and then there's a fourth type, and Bill, which is called negotiables. And Bill says if you if you do negotiables frequently, uh, then it, you turn it into a, uh, a project. And if it ha- happens uh, haphazardly, then you just turn it into um, kind of a, a troubleshooting uh, task. So, so what Bill found was is that that everyone had uh, that these are the kind. If you look at anything that you do in your job it will fit into one of the three categories, uh, routine troubleshooting or project work. Um, and that kind of always intrigued me. And when I was uh, considering uh, kind of going back from, to do my doctoral work, um, I, I, had this, uh, I had this idea that maybe there is a balance that each one of us has a different mixture that would be motivating to us uh, that could get us into what's called flow. Or anybody that's read the book Flow by a guy by the name of Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, Dr. Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. Mihai was uh, Dr. Mihai was um, an advisor for me and helped me develop the task quotient. So I developed. I didn't call it the task quotient when I did my dissertation. Uh, I, I I really wanted to look at was there a relationship between motivation, engagement, productivity, flow and task balance. Uh, and I thought there's, there might be a key there. And that was what I had to prove statistically in my, in my quantitative uh, dissertation. I don't recommend anybody to read it because it's really pretty boring. <laughs> if you want to have 180 pages of, of technic- technical stuff with statistics, uh, send me a note. I'll be glad to send you my, my dissertation. Very few people have read it, I, I imagine. <laughs> um, but what, you know, what I was noticing was, is when I was working at Intel, as I was doing all my doctoral work, what I was noticing is that I would I would go into like a project manager's office, and we lived in the cubicle world, right? As many organizations do, and I would walk into the first my my first project manager, and he'd say, you know, Kevin, you know, I'm just 
just not engaged in, in what I'm what I'm doing. I really love doing this kind of stuff, you know, task A and task B and C, I'm, eh, not, not so much. And then I walk into the next cubicle and all the people, all the engineers in particular are very, very similar, similar personality. If you did any personality uh, studies like, like DISC or Myers-Briggs or anything like that, all pretty similar. Um, and I walk into the second project manager's or the project engineer's office, and he'd say, hey, Kevin, I, I really like B. I don't like A or C. And the third one would say, hey, I like C. And I thought, boy, these these guys, uh, these people, you know, um, they are uh, they're great engineers. I, I think I'm giving them really good work, and it seems like they're not as motivated as possible. I'm wondering, is it is it with the task balance that they have or is it, is it something else? So that was my, quote, hypothesis. Uh, and when I ran all the statistics, we did originally 118 people to basically prove the, the concept and the theory. Uh, and then since then, we've run um, probably close to about 10,000 of the, the assessments. And what, what I found out was that there are 496 unique mixtures of those three task balances. Wow. And if I can identify, if you can identify your ideal task balance of what you like to do, and you can structure your day or week in that way, statistically, we know that I can guarantee that you will raise your level of job satisfaction, motivation. Um, it th- didn't guarantee that you will go into flow. Uh, flow is a, is a whole nother topic that we'll talk about maybe at another time. (laughs) Uh, And we, I actually had another um, uh, doctoral student, uh, Dr. Holly um, uh, Barnes, who extended my work and she found that you could also raise your level of empowerment. So, so once you can, once you can structure your day so that you get more of what you want and less of what you don't want, uh, we know that you can kind of close the day, close the week out feeling really, really satisfied and motivated and engage. And that's what we did, or that's what I was able to kind of test out with the guinea pigs yeah. at, in, at Intel, all the project guys. And uh, once once we we looked at what they had for a structure and we did some modifications as much as you can, right? You know, in, in many, many organizations, particularly if you're like a, a line worker, it's difficult to say, hey, I'd really like to do this and this and this. And I don't want to do machine A first. I want to do machine B. You, you can't do that. But if you have a job uh, that you have ability to kind of move things around from a time perspective, you still get the same amount of stuff done. Uh, but if you can move things around in a time perspective, you can really structure your job in a very, very unique way. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use Show to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content like podcast episodes or YouTube videos into Capshow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. Capshow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. 
it, it almost makes sense. Uh, I was thinking about Strengths Finder and uh, even Marcus Buckingham, mm-hmm. like working with your strengths, and it's like working with your preferences. That if you do prefer more of the routine work, things that have like this stable, predictable. These are the tasks that are going to be expected of me Monday morning. Tuesday morning, Wednesday, and it never changes. There are folks who love that and they, they don't want to deviate from it ever. And the best thing you could do to make them happy is deliver that as much as possible as a leader to your team. And then there are those that are like, if you want to kill me, just stick me in a routine that never, ever changes. And I will, <laughs> I will create a window and I will jump out of it. And, um, and it's like, well, we're on the first floor still, I'll make it hurt. <laughs> you know, like, uh, and, and so I, I could see where that makes sense because there are those who just, they thrive off of projects. There are those who just handle crises really well. And, you know, it's like when you know that about yourself, I think that does, you know, make sense. And you, you find, uh, either ways to restructure your work, either how you, schedule it, it sounds like, but you can also have conversations with your manager and say, Hey, I I love this project stuff, this routine stuff. I can't seem to wrap my head around it. The manager, if the manager's doing his or her job and rounding with employees and doing this kind of thing with employees could probably say, great. Cause I have this other person who just loves routine stuff and, and is not the greatest at the project thing. And that's okay. Cause it's not that person's primary job. Let's, let's work something. And I could see that kind of synergizing happening. Is that kind of what happens with task quotient as well? Or in my way off? No, boy, you are, you are so right on the money. Sweet. There's, you know, there's the, the fr- there's really like, two steps. The first step is really understanding what motivates you, right? And then um, the the idea is, is so for people listening, is uh, at the end of this uh, podcast, I'll give you a link uh, for all your listeners, a free link that you can take the assessment for free. Normally, we we charge, you know, it's $50 for the assessment norm, but I'm going to give you the link away just for people listening here. Nice. Um, so once you get your, once you identify your ideal task quotient, uh, the key is, is you want to pay attention to the work that you're doing. And when you get that little voice in your head that says you want to go do something else, I want to go get a cup of coffee or I want to go uh, do some quick email or make a phone call or whatever. Uh, that's the trigger that says you need to switch to a different task type. And quite often what people will do is they'll switch to a different task but they'll go from routine to routine to routine or troubleshooting, troubleshooting, troubleshooting. And then, and they still don't, they don't feel kind of fulfilled. Mm-hmm. The key is, is the, the best managers, the best employees, the people that are most productive and engaged really schedule and block time. And there's lots of authors that kind of are experts in this that you can read about kind of in time management uh, is, is you, you want to pay attention to your, what I call your cadence and your cadence is, you know, when do those little red flags come up? And I, I'll tell you for me, you know, so my my mixture is about uh, 50% routine, uh, sorry, 50% project is what I need in a daily basis, um, about 30% uh, troubleshooting and about t- I'm 20% for uh, routine kind of work. So what I try to do is I try to schedule my days and I block them out. And my cadence is I have a tolerance for routine of about 30 to 45 minutes. Uh, I have a tolerance for troubleshooting. And sometimes you can, if you're really getting in the zone or getting into that flow channel, uh, it can go much, much longer. And mm-hmm. that's fine. Just let it let it go. Um, yeah, I can do the troubleshooting stuff for about 90 minutes. 
Uh, and then the project work right around two hours, everything gets a little funky and, and I want to go off and do something else. So, so I schedule things in those blocks. I know Monday mornings are typically when all the, when the problems happen, the customers call up, Hey, this isn't working. I can't get into this assessment. You know, can you send me this information? So Monday morning, I block out the first um, 90 minutes, just in anticipation of that. Uh, And if I don't get any of the calls or I don't have any of the urgent emails, uh, I usually have a list of stuff that needs to get done that I problems I need to solve because troubleshooting is problem solving. Uh, and I'll, I'll go, go and do that. And then that, and then by the end of the day, I've, I've gotten the same amount of work done. The difference is I've just scheduled it. So that's the first part. Now where you were going, which is the second part of what we do from a team perspective is what we've recognized is, that um, that people have different preferences. So we do something called a task auction. So we, uh, and I can send you the, or send you the link for this, that we did an awesome case study with an IT organization, had 18 IT engineers um, that were just, turnover was not, turnover was way higher than what's necessary. Engagement was down. You know, the manager just said, hey, I'm at my wits end. I just don't don't know what to do. I think I'm giving these guys, uh, these uh, all of the employees, good work to do. They're getting paid really well. Uh, just something's not clicking. So I said, okay, uh, tra- his name was Charlie. I said, Charlie, let's do a, um, let's, let's do an assessment. I'll look at the team from all the task balances. Um, and, and generally the thing we found, I've done dozens of these, Generally, what we found, Jerry, is that pretty much most teams have the right, collectively have the right people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not about doing a reorganization. It's just about doing a rebalancing. And what we do is we get everybody to plot all their work on flip charts using the flow diagram for anyone that wants to read about flow and the task quotient. Um, and then with the manager in the room, they can buy, they can uh, uh, offer to sell any tasks that they have. They don't have to buy anything. Uh, we capture everything on an Excel sheet, right? Um, and somebody says, I have, you know, two hours of troubleshooting work on the network server dealing with Unix that I just hate doing. It's just like I am, I've done Unix a thousand times and I don't want to, I don't want to deal with this, right? So you put that up two hours, troubleshooting Unix problems, right? And you go down, you get every, we got all 18 people in. Um, And then once, once you can see all of the stuff that people don't want to do, obviously you're looking at it from your perspective of what would I like to do? Oh, I would love to learn Unix. I know that that's my next step, right? So what happens is, is once everything's up there, anyone in the room can bid on anything that was, that's open. Um, and sometimes people don't want, maybe somebody has, uh, 20 hours of Unix that they don't want to do or 10 hours, whatever the number is, uh, you can bid on partial or all of it. Like, I don't want 20 hours of it, but I could do, I could do a day, you know, so I could take eight hours. Right. And then the thing is, is then you partner the people together that want to get rid of it and the people that want to get it. So they become the, the kind of the trainers. Mm -hmm. They're incentivized because I'm getting rid of the stuff I don't want to do. The other people are incentivized because I'm getting the stuff I do want to do. And typically what happens is um, on a normal uh, task uh, auction, we typically do like 60 to 75% uh, of the tasks get rebalanced. 
uh, so people really get get what they want. Uh, and then there's this bucket of like 25 to 30 percent of stuff that nobody wants to do. And every time we do it, it's the same thing. It is all highly administrative. Wow. So, um, so what we say, what the what we did, for, particularly for Charlie, was it's like you've got a wreck, you know, which was probably right now because this was done several years ago. <coughs> you, excuse me, you've got a wreck um, where it's going to cost you one hundred twenty thousand dollars to hire the the network engineer. What if we take all of that crap work that nobody wants to do, and you hire a temp for thirty thousand dollars, and you take that extra ninety thousand dollars? Uh, and you use it for for something else. And by the way, when the new projects come in, instead of giving it to that new hire that you're trying to to, to find, why don't you distribute it to the people that really want it? Yeah. Um, and everything we can do everything in eight hours. Um, the case study that I can share, we were able to get the turnover to go to zero for eight. We met. We only measured it eighteen months. Uh, for, uh, went to zero for eighteen months. Um, but the big thing was, is we raised and retained the job satisfaction. I think it was 26.4%. And anyone that's done any behavioral science stuff, the magic number is, is if you can get over 4%, then it's statistically significant. We were six times that. Wow. And, you know, so, so in particularly today, you know, if you're looking to really retain people, cause that's a problem, um, paying attention to their task balance is probably the simplest, easiest, and and it doesn't really it doesn't cost anything. It's just have that con do this. It's a minimal cost, I should say, because yeah. you have to still have to do the assessments on the people. So you do the assessments, you run the the task auction, um, and uh, and you and you maintain that and pay attention to that. You know, for you know, good managers pretty much re- revisit that on a regular basis. Yeah. Did. Do they ever come across uh, situations or scenarios where they realize, hey, there's a bunch of tasks that we are doing that probably don't even need to be done anymore? Yeah. Uh, and in, the, in the, um, the task auction that we do, we give them uh, five opportunities. You can either uh, delete the task. You can uh, delegate the task. Uh, you can divide the task. That's where you partner. Uh, you can um, uh, delay the task or... Uh, you can automate the task. Yeah. Right. Um, and a lot, a lot of times there are many things that people are doing. I think one of the things that we found more so through the activity and the group activity that we do, um, it, there's not so much that there's a lot of tasks that people that they should delete. It's usually that there's this kind of scope creep that's happened where they're doing things that really should be done by another organization. Yes. Like, Hey, can you help me out with this? Can you, can you run this code a little bit, you know, for me on, on these other servers? It's like, well, that's really the other organization. You really should be doing that. It's like, ah, okay. It's only gonna take me 15 minutes. And the next time it's 30 minutes. And pretty much by the end of the year, you're, you're essentially doing the other person's job. That's usually what comes to the surface because there are going to be a lot of things that the people don't want to do that they really shouldn't be doing. Yeah. I've done something similar, uh, not to that kind of like we didn't do a, a task au- auction, but 
uh, with like one of my employees in the past, you know, just how much time do you spend doing reports? Cause I had never mm-hmm. asked for a report from you and our VP <laughs> asks for like one or two every quarter, but you spend a lot of time doing reports. And, uh, so then we, we realize that these requests are coming from our customers, ex- you know, our internal company customers. Um, but it was like a lot of them were reports that could be automated. Like you set it up once and it goes to the person and that's it. And so we just started talking through like, well, what could you do that would free up your time from running these manually every week, updating the data and then sending them off? And she was like, well, I could teach the person how to do it themselves as far as, you know, cleaning up the data. And I could just have this automatically send it to them every week. I'm like, I'm cool with that if you are, because there's a lot of stuff that we would like you to work on that does not involve these reports. (laughs) And, uh, And sure enough, it freed up hours and hours uh for the week and um it, it just and it didn't just work for that it opened up her eyes to other things that she does on a weekly basis that eat up a lot of time that could be handed off or automated um you know i think her her preference for those three types of works would probably be more routine as opposed to mm-hmm. troubleshooting or project work uh so i think that was kind of the trap she would fall into is that she would get caught up in these routine pieces but a lot of them not really aligned with what we needed to do. And and so seeing her start to, to make those adjustments and create that alignment and, and knowing that it's okay to hand things off. It's okay to automate things. Um, you know, getting the work done doesn't mean you yourself have to manually do it. It's the 21st century. <laughs> yes. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Now, I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was, was going to say one other thing that we found was, you know, if you're talking about people that are doing routine or, troubleshooting is that when there's a lot of people that uh, have a higher need for problem solving and when they have a highly routine job what happens is is if because you can really you can morph any of the one task to another task by adjusting the quantity quality or pace of the of the task itself what we find is uh, when when people have a high need for routine for troubleshooting and they're not getting it what they do is they take the routine task and they wait till the last minute mm. And then what happens is, so I, whenever I see a report where I'm looking at their job and I'm looking at their, their preference and I, I'll, I can go around the room and say, you know, you three are the top, you are incredible procrastinators. Would you agree? (laughs) Yeah. How did you know that? It's like, well, you're not getting what you need. So what you're doing is you're waiting to the last minute. And then all of a sudden what should be routine, you know, creating those reports that take 45 minutes. You, you leave yourself 15 minutes to do that. And then all of a sudden it's, it's a problem and you're essentially kind of self-medicating yourself. Once you're aware of that, you can really restructure your, your day in, in a way that it's much, much more efficient and it's more satisfying. And that makes sense. Cause you may not always be in a position where you can hand off tasks. Like you, that's your job. You got to do it if you want that paycheck. Uh, and that, that could definitely be a helpful thing because now you're making it's almost like EQ in a sense. Like now you're aware this is a need you have. Uh, it's deeply rooted. It probably is somewhat emotional as well because there's you know typically an emotional tie to these things first. And now with that awareness, that self-awareness, you, can, you also can self-manage. I, I think that's really cool. Uh, now, if somebody says, great, I'd really like to know where I land on this, um, where can they go to take that assessment? So, um, so I've created this sh- shortened link. It's a bit.ly link. If they go to MagnaLeader, uh, M-A-G-N-A-L-E-A-D-E-R dot co, uh, not dot com, dot co forward slash, and this has to be in caps, G-I-F-T, gift, right? MagnaLeader dot co forward slash gift. 
uh, in cap. Uh, just the gift has to be in caps. Uh, it will take you right into the assessment. It'll take you three or four minutes to take the assessment. Um, and when you hit enter, uh, you'll, you'll get your full report emailed to you uh, instantaneously. Nice. And then if somebody decides, great, I've got the report. I want to dive deeper. I want some more help. I know Magna Leadership does stuff like that. So what kind of stuff does Magna Leadership do uh, to help individuals or is it more geared towards helping specific companies? Uh, we, we do both. Uh, so we have something called our Leading Forward Academy, which takes lots of these concepts together. Uh, it's a six-month program, you know, talks around communication and uh, behavioral styles, task balance, of course, uh, you know, uh, dealing with conflict, um, project management, critical thinking, uh, and, you know, all with the leadership bend. So they, they can do that. We also uh, do, I do a, a bunch of coaching for individuals, right? So you can, I do individual coaching as, as well as our other partners do the same thing. So it, it just depends on what you need. Uh, if you if you need just kind of one-on-one help, we can help you. If you have a, a team that you'd like to do, you know, we can work with the team and all of our stuff is modular. So we can structure it. So rather than just pulling it off the shelf and saying, here's what you get, we really like to work with the small organizations so they get really what they, you know, what they need. Nice. Awesome. And before we go, and then that's at magnaleadership.com. If I'm. Yes. Yeah. Great. Yeah, that's, that's the, um, that's our web website and you can uh, contact me through Magna Leadership or you can just send me an email, which is Kevin at magnaleadership.com. Nice. And then before we go, any final words of wisdom around task quotient or just anything leadership related? Yeah. I think the thing I would say to the listeners is, uh, invest in yourself, right? And as you've mentioned, Jerry, it's really about self-awareness, whether it's taking uh, an EQ evaluation, whether it's doing DISC or Myers-Briggs or StrengthsFinder or whatever, is, is don't just take them. You, you want to take them and do something with it. And what we found is the best way to have that happen is one is to have a plan and either have a coach, whether it's internal or an external coach to work with you. And then second is to get what we call a capability partner, not an accountability partner, is the partner with someone that's going to do the same type of thing. So you're working together and you're holding each other accountable for that. Um, and there's some great studies that show that if you do that, if you kind of define what you want to do uh, and you, and you um, announce it to someone else and, and they're really going to hold you accountable for it, you can get things done. Um, but the, the big thing is, you know, the, to keep your job, to keep your job highly satisfied, motivated, and engaged, there's lots of different things you can do. Uh, TQ or the test quotient is, is really easy to kind of understand because you usually have good control over it. It's, it's free. doesn't take a lot of time. And you would be amazed at the end of the day and the end of the week, how much better you feel about your job. Even if you're not doing the ideal job that you want, this, this will help you. Awesome. Dr. Gazzara, it was great to have you on here. And uh, I appreciated this conversation a lot. Well, it's my pleasure. And uh, I really encourage people to go to the site, take the assessment. And if you've got questions, uh, just send them to me. Uh, be glad to have a quick conversation with you. And my promise is absolutely no sales pitch. Uh, I am here. I am a helper type. Uh, I, uh, I'll give you the same kind of uh, good insight that I gave to my employees as well as the students at the different universities I teach at. Now, I hope you got a lot out of this 
episode and this conversation like I did. I mean, we talked about task quotients. I mean, that's the first time we've tackled that in this show ever, but it really has made me look at tasks in a whole new light. You know, there are times where I've just been told time and again, this is just stuff that you just got to get done. And for the business, for your team, that may be the case. However, if you're looking at your work as well as the work of your team members from a strengths-based perspective, you know, what are you gifted towards? What are you really energized by? And then looking at the work and the tasks that you have in front of you and put it up for auction, you can actually streamline a lot of things, synergize, and really excel on the productivity of your organization. So this is something really worth looking at. Uh, feel free to go to the show notes beyondtherut.com slash 348. There you'll find that link to the free assessment that Kevin offered you, as well as more information about Magna Leadership. Now I'm glad you joined me in this episode, and I look forward to joining with you again in the next episode. But until then, go live life beyond the rut. Take care. You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showvian myself, I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Capshow team today and join me inside that community.